Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 11th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8 p.m. on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM, 3WBC, and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a recorded interview first played on the 4th of November 2016 by Ian Salick with past District Governor Dennis Shaw. Dennis is also currently District Foundation Director. Now it's my great pleasure to welcome to the program one of the hardest working leaders of Rotary District 9800, a true humanitarian, past District Governor Dennis Shaw. Dennis was District Governor in 2012-13. Whilst a District Governor has that role with its heavy workload for one year, almost matching that is the role of District Director Foundation, who is usually appointed for three years. And that is the role that Dennis was asked to undertake, commencing in this Rotary year, starting in July. Past District Governor and District Director Foundation, Dennis Shaw, a very warm welcome to the 94.1 FM 3WBC microphone. Good evening, Ian. It's a real pleasure to be with you tonight. And it's great to have you here, Dennis. It's always nice to see you. We're going to, first of all, get to know Dennis the Man, And then in a second chat, uh, we're going to ask Dennis to give us some insights into what the Rotary Foundation is and what it actually achieves in our local community and internationally. So let's kick off, Dennis. Um, You were born in Melbourne? No, I wasn't. I'm a relatively newbie to Melbourne, only been here 30 years. I was actually born in Grafton, which was the Queen City of the Northern New South Wales. I, I was born there, grew up there, educated there, uh, right through high school. So, Dennis, you've been masquerading as a Melbourneian, uh, truly, <laughs> since you've been here. Indeed, it seems so. And, Dennis, um, uh, you went to school in Grafton? I did, indeed. And what did you enjoy most about that? Well, Ian, I was totally hopeless at sports, so I did what you have to do in that circumstance. I tried to be a good student. And I worked really hard at it, and I was, Uh, but uh, as a result of that, um, it did give me time to focus on academics rather than things that I couldn't do. And you finished school in Grafton. Did you go on to high school there? Yes, I did. I went to the University of New South Wales in Sydney, where I did a degree in chemical engineering. My goodness. And, And Dennis, what did that lead to? in uh, the corporate world after you left university? Okay, well, every chemical engineer wants to be in the oil business, but because everyone wants to be in the oil business, I ended up in the paper business. Uh, I was recruited by what was then Australian paper manufacturers. They had a a mill at uh, Botany in in Sydney. So I went there uh, for a number of years, but Eventually, I found out that being in the paper industry was like the oil industry in that you became a gypsy. So after a couple of years, I went to Millicent in South Australia and then many other parts of uh, Australia and indeed the world. All with APM? All with APM. And where did you go travelling into the rest of the world uh, on business? Where did that Well, um, the first 
thing that uh, we enjoyed a privilege through APM was that uh, I was sent to study in the USA for a year into a little town that nobody's heard of in Wisconsin called Appleton. And that was a real privilege. So I had a year of paid study leave uh, and from that uh, I came back to Australia. But subsequently I took on a role as uh, international uh, development manager. So we went around the world trying to start up paper mills elsewhere and indeed we did succeed in uh, both the USA and Germany. What a wonderful experience for a, a relatively young man. Well, how old were you when you were doing all this travel? Uh, well, uh, in the case of uh, when I was doing the paper mills, by that time I was up to about 40, so, uh, so I had a, nearly a decade of that. And what, what were the countries again that you, uh, you know, founded uh, the, the business okay. world of APM? Well, we, we bought a mill in Germany uh, near Heidelberg, lovely part of Germany, uh, but we built a mill in New Mexico in the USA and almost built a mill in Malaysia. So I was sort of straddling three parts of the world at one time and we were looking elsewhere like the UK and, and other parts of the world. So I was on a plane more than I was on the ground, I think. Did they have frequent flyer points in those days? Well, they did. They did. And that helped me uh, in the years to come when I was no longer employed. I'll bet it did. And were you married at that time? Yes, I was, and uh, goodness knows um, how I still am, but uh, uh, Linda was a great support to me in all of that time, uh, really raising our kids pretty much on her own as I was jet-setting around the world. Oh, so you had children when you were moving around. Oh, right? yes, yes. And how did they take to all this travel and settle into so many places? Well, I moved, they stayed. Yes, yes. So, but, but they would have been uh, moving, I suppose, location as you went to... Well, um, in the first um, 11 years of our marriage, we, we lived in uh, 10 or 11 places. And as when we got to Melbourne, Linda said, no more. So you can do, do your thing. And, and the company was understanding. They, they thought 11 moves was enough. So I, I moved, the family stayed. Well, that's real service to, to APM, uh, uh, a wonderful company, but uh, you certainly gave them some wonderful time moving around like that, which is very difficult for a family, isn't it, in terms of schooling for the children? Uh, All of that. Uh, very, very difficult. Uh, Dennis, just moving on to a most important change in your life. Um, well, what, what date, first of all, did you arrive in Melbourne? It was 1984. And did you join Rotary fairly soon after that? Well, look, uh, I had a bit of a history before that. When I went to Millicent, I mentioned in South Australia, I joined Apex and um, I was in Apex there and then subsequently Apex in Tarragon in uh, the Latrobe Valley. When I went to Brisbane, I was um, on my first uh, senior management appointment. I was um, uh, manager of the paper mill in, in the Brisbane area. And my boss at the time, what a change it is from today, said you should be in Rotary and encouraged me to become a Rotarian. I was quite happy to be an Apexian, but no, he said Rotary for you. And I joined the Rotary Club of Aspley. How fortuitous. How fortuitous. For a Rotary. Yeah. Indeed. And then I was transferred back to the Latrobe Valley and I joined the Rotary Club of Tyralgon. And then I was transferred to Melbourne. And here I was, our office at that time was in Hawthorne, or Hawthorne East, and uh, one of my colleagues was a member of the Rotary Club of Hawthorne and said, would you like to come along? And I did. 
and, and I've been there ever since. And and what year was that that you moved? That was 1984. Well, that was 1984 mm-hmm. as well. So you've been in Hawthorne Rotary since 1984. And tell us a little bit about the Hawthorne Rotary Club. How many members does it have? Well, today we've got about 50. At our peak, we had just under 100. Uh, when I was president, and for many years around that time, we were around the 70, 75 mark. I think like a lot of clubs, we didn't realise that we were losing members, but we're gaining members again, which is the good thing. Which is the great thing in this day and age where people want to give back, put something into society, not just take out. And is there a good mix of backgrounds and uh, gender diversity there? Uh, There's a great mix of background, uh, but on the gender diversity side, we're uh, probably not as diverse as we would like to be but we've got some terrific women members and getting more all the time and they're adding immensely to the the quality and the value of the club. That's marvellous. And tell me, before you became district governor in 2012-13, you've obviously had many roles at your club uh, and uh, and at district level. Can you uh, give us a bit of an insight into the roles that you've had at club level and then subsequently at district level? In the club, uh, I I did most of the roles. Um, Not treasurer. They wouldn't let me anywhere near the money. (laughs) I was good at spending, but but I had that opportunity. Look, because I was travelling so much, it was really hard to be engaged with the club as much as I would have liked to have been, and I'm eternally grateful to the club that they took a a long-term view about my membership. I certainly didn't meet the attendance requirements, by any stretch of the imagination, but I gave what I could when I could. And so eventually after becoming uh, president uh, in 2002-03, and I might add our current district governor Neville John and I were presidents in the same year together. But uh, after that, Judy Nettleton, who was uh, going to be the incoming governor in uh, 04-05, said, what about something on district? And I said, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And uh, Judy took that as an affirmation. And so uh, I became an assistant governor and for the Batman cluster, to which you would relate. Uh, I had two great years there. The other amazing thing, though, was I'd only just started my role and the opportunity came up for group study exchange. And I applied because the exchange was with New Mexico in the USA, where I had some years before... Previously been, yes. So uh, I was fortunate in getting that. For my sins thereafter, I became the GSE chair for uh, four exchanges. uh, You better just tell us what GSE means Ah, for our non-rotary listeners. Thank you. Yes, group study exchange. It's morphed a bit now. We're calling it group vocational exchange. But the objectives are the same for a a quality vocational and cultural experience in another country. And it was great. And I think that is what triggered uh, the realisation of just how big, how international and how valuable Rotary is. And Dennis, I often ask this of Rotarians. Uh, It's a rather trite phrase, but what was your light bulb moment in terms of joining Rotary, I mean you were asked to join but what really made you appreciate Rotary and what it does? What was the trigger? Look I think the trigger was uh, probably in truth when I became um, an assistant governor suddenly you just saw 
the diversity of clubs and Rotary's got something to offer everyone. The clubs are different. Yes, they have the same goals and aspirations perhaps but suddenly you saw just what an amazing opportunity Rotary had to do something in the world. And then when I went on the, the group study exchange, I saw it at another level and the opportunity that working together globally, what you could achieve. And I was hooked. And uh, uh, what a great hook that was because you've been a, a wonderful asset to Rotary. Well, in your 2012-13 year as District Governor, what would you nominate as the highlight of that year? Uh, look, the whole year is a wonderful experience. It's a huge privilege to be Governor. And sometimes uh, life works in strange little ways, but I was so pleased that the theme for that Rotary year was Peace Through Service because Rotary has been at the forefront of peace building almost its uh, entire existence. And to me, that was, that was highlight enough. But uh, people will remember I had 13 um, challenges that I gave to clubs back in those days and um, they were all highlights. But a couple of them were a bit strange. Not my idea, but some, somebody came up with the idea of a, an early act club. We have Interact and Rotaract. But I thought start early, start often. And we haven't got quite as far as I would, would have liked, but we're getting there. And I think this is the future of Rotary. If young people understand what Rotary is about from the outset, by the time they're adults, if they're not Rotarians, they'll at least connect with and assist our Rotary. The other thing uh, we started was Rotarians at Work Day. Um, again, it's perhaps not got quite the, um, the outcome, but I think it's wonderful, the the ability for Rotarians right through the district to get together and, and make a statement that people out there will see and pick up on. We had some other good things. Uh, membership didn't decline that year. It went up a fraction. We had a great year in, uh, in terms of our contributions to the Rotary Foundation. And uh, I went away. And, and to me, of course, we had a, a, a wonderful conference um, in Albury, and um, the feedback from that has been really good and people still talk fondly about the conference in Albury and, of course, I get to continue to, del uh, to live those delights in my own mind all the time. And then, as so you should, because I attended that conference and it was a wonderful experience, not only in terms of the content but in terms of the camaraderie and the very relaxed nature of the conference. It was outstanding. Well, Dennis, thank you for letting us get to know you, the man, a little better. Dennis, for those listeners who are not yet Rotarians, what is the Rotary Foundation? Thanks, Ian. The Foundation is commonly referred to as the engine room of Rotary. Technically, it's actually Rotary's charity, uh, funded by contributions from clubs and Rotarians individually, but it's the money that comes through the foundation that funds so many of the iconic programs of Rotary from our scholars, both Global Grant Scholars, Peace Fellows and so many of the humanitarian programs that we have uh, in Rotary. And as I say, the engine room of Rotary and deservedly so. And Dennis, um, the foundation 
I am aware, has been going for a long time. Can you give us a little of its history? Indeed I can, and uh, what an appropriate question. In this, the centennial year of the Rotary Foundation. The Rotary Foundation was conceived by Arch Klumpf, who was the president of Rotary International in 1916-17, when he thought that there ought to be some foundation, some basis for providing funds to do good in the world. And this is what Rotary, the Rotary Foundation stands for, doing good in the world. Yes, it has a mission statement to enable Rotarians to advance world understanding, goodwill and peace through the improvement of health, the support of education and the alleviation of poverty. But that, that germ of an idea that Arch Klump had took some years to realise it was another decade really before the foundation was acknowledged and became a formal part of Rotary International. But some decades again before it got traction and really taking off in the 1950s when the uh, Rotary Ambassadorial Scholar Program came into being. And from then it's just grown so, so much and is now, as I say, the, the really the engine room of Rotary. And, Dennis, you might care to mention one of its signature programs, polio eradication. Indeed. An Australian uh, past president of Rotary International, Sir Clem Renouf, conceived the idea that Rotary should be doing something because only Rotary really had the ability to marshal a global force to do something about the eradication of what was then a huge scourge, more than 300,000 cases every year. Now, I think uh, Clem probably thought that the eradication would take not as long as it has. We, we're not quite there, but we're almost there, just down to a few cases a year now, and really in two endemic countries, Pakistan and Afghanistan, Sadly, we've had an outbreak again in Nigeria, but they've got onto that. And we can see in just a short time that finally, at last, uh, polio will be a thing no more. And that's been done in association, of course, with the World Health Organisation. And uh, importantly, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has it not in terms of their donations to our Rotary Foundation. Yeah, look, Rotary knows that you can't do everything by itself and we need good partners. The World Health Organisation, of course, uh, are fundamental to this because of their access to countries and so on. And uh, Bill Gates said that Rotary was the only organisation effectively with which he would trust his money to do this, this job. And the support from that foundation is just amazing and it's enabled us to get there more quickly than we would have otherwise done. And from my reading, that will continue into, until 2018. So it's been a long-standing commitment that will continue uh, until polio is eradicated. And then I dare say Rotary will look at another world cause uh, in which uh, it can you know, apply itself and support wholeheartedly. Look, they will probably, but the mission is clear. There'll be nothing else to get in the way of achieving this goal. It's really important 
that we finish the job we started. It's our promise to the children of the world that this awful, dreadful disease will be finally, once and for all, terminated and eradicated. And wiped off the face of the earth. Wiped off the face of the earth. Which is really wonderful. Dennis, the Rotary Foundation is obviously very much part of District 9800 and you're its current leader and will be so for this year and two years to follow. Can you indicate some of its work within our district specifically? Look, our district is forefront uh, in, in Australia in terms of a foundation. We're the biggest district and therefore we have the biggest pool. Now, we are not the highest contributor per capita, but we do pretty well. And through that, we're able to do some amazing things. But the money that we contribute comes back in the form of grant funds. And uh, these are for humanitarian applications. And they come in two forms. We have district grants and we have global grants. Now, in the case of the district grants, these are smaller amounts that we give out to fund both local community uh, applications or international applications. Now, the good thing about them is we have a wide latitude in the sort of programs that we can do. And, indeed, I never cease to be amazed about how versatile and creative uh, some of our clubs are. So, on the one hand, we, we have some of those funds going to help a community soup van uh, in Melbourne through the Rotary Club of North Melbourne. Uh, Brimbank Central spent money to uh, refit an existing toilet at a community centre to care for disabled people. Uh, we've, we've had someone to, uh, design an app, of all things, to help young people suffering from arthritis. The range is, is quite amazing and as creative as the human mind. At the other end of the scale, we're doing some international grants through our district grant funds. And um, these include constructing a stone security fence around a children's rescue centre in Kenya uh, through the Rotary Club of Laverton Point Cook. Uh, we've done uh, classroom fit-outs in Laos. We've done sanitation programs in Timor-Leste. Uh, dental clinics or providing equipment for dental clinics in Balabo in, in Timor-Leste. The, the list goes on. Freshwater uh, projects, uh, helping schools, all of those sort of things. Safe water. Well, water and sanitation, of course, is one of the key focus areas of Rotary and uh, in the Philippines I'm aware of, of uh, funds being uh, employed to help with that. Indeed. What the Rotary Foundation has sensibly done, it's tried to target its funding in a way that creates the most benefit, the most bang for the buck, if you like. And we have six areas of focus that we concentrate on, but these cover most of the things that are, are really quite important in meeting the goals and the objectives of the Rotary Foundation. Uh, literacy, uh, community economic development, uh, disease prevention, maternal and child health, literacy, all these things, and peace, of course. This, is, um, this has been the heartbeat of Rotary for nearly all its existence. Rotary has been so involved in, in, 
in trying to make the world a better place, not just through participating in peace programs but taking away the causes of problems. So we have this amazing program been running since 2002, the Rotary Peace Fellows Program. And our district, District 9800, is the only district in the world that's had a candidate successfully nominated every year that the program has been running. We've had, in fact, one of uh, our colleagues says that we're the black caviar of, uh, of, of Rotary in that uh, we've never been beaten in this. And we feel, with the amazing candidates that we've got, that we can deliver so much. Another really, really valuable program is the Vocational Training Team Program. For years now, we've been supporting midwives in remote areas in Timor-Leste and I'm just amazed at the people that we have uh, going to, to support that work and selfishly now they're on to about their ninth visit to Timor-Leste. What an amazing thing these people do in support of the Rotary Foundation or funded by the Rotary Foundation to do good in the world. Uh, we've got training coming up for classroom teachers in Cambodia uh, as a new program. And the list goes on. And Dennis, what a list it really is. It is wonderful work and I want to thank you for talking to us on the Rotary and Community Service radio show. Thanks Ian, what a pleasure to be here. Well it's been a real pleasure to hear good news in the world and the Rotary Foundation generates so much of that. So thank you Dennis. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was produced and presented by Ian Salick of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. Podcasts can be found on iTunes by searching for Rotary Radio, then scrolling to Doing Good in Victoria, or by visiting the Rotary Club of Canterbury website at www.canterburyrotary.org.